Hello again. I'm Terry McIver, Editor-in-Chief of Contracting Business, and welcome to Episode 3 of Talking Air Care. In each episode, we get a contractor's perspective on how caring for the air in a customer's home can differentiate a contractor's business, setting it apart from the box sellers. And in this episode, we're getting practical information discussing how contractors can trade out the tech talk in favor of more profitable customer conversations. Joining me again is Tom Casey, Chief Visionary Officer at Griffin Service. Welcome back, Tom. Thanks, Terry. As we wrapped up our last chat, we mentioned that contractors are asking about the technical aspects of differentiating their business by getting the attic ductwork right. So, Tom, what kinds of tech questions come into play? Well, pretty straightforward, Terry. What's important to keep in mind is we are in the air conditioning business, emphasis on the word air. So ductwork is really straightforward. It's about getting the right air to the right place, you know, HVAC 101. To do that, you've got to start with a load calculation. In other words, how much heating or cooling is needed for each area of the house, which gives you a airflow requirement. And from there, you back into the duct design. You got to make sure that that air is going to get to the right place. Because at the end of the day, no matter what the box is, no matter what the efficiency is, no matter what the type of system is, it's the actual air that does the heating and it's the actual air that does the cooling. So getting the ductwork sized properly and then installed properly so air can get there the easiest and the smoothest with the least resistance. And there's always two options or different types of design depending on what your geography is. But if you get the calculations right, you know the airflow, then you can properly lay out and design the system. There's, of course, metal ducts, which are probably more reserved for the northern climates. And there's flex duct, which is probably in all the climates, but it's the predominant type of duct in the south. If you think about the two ducts and we're thinking about design, what I always like to tell customers, think about driving your car either on a smooth stretch of newly paved highway, metal ductwork, or down a country road with hairpin turns and gravel all over the place, flex ductwork. And then how is the air going to go? How easy is it for the air to go from point A to point B in the right amounts efficiently and smoothly so we can get that heating and cooling accomplished? So Terry, speaking of driving, This isn't really where we want the conversation to start out in terms of technical stuff like duct sizing, metal, flex, loads, airflow, CFMs, and all this jargon that bore the customer to death, makes their eyes gloss over, and they have no interest in. What we've got to do is steer the conversation toward the right questions, the questions that really matter to the homeowner to get the answers that really matter to the contractor so we can do the best job. Well, that makes sense. And so how do we steer the conversation so that we're asking those right questions? Well, one of the easiest things to kind of think of is that nobody actually wants to buy heating or cooling or ductwork, even you and me, and we're in the business. So why are we there then? So we've got to get the customer talking about what's going on in your house, what's it doing, what's it not doing, what brings us out here today? I see we're talking about replacing your system. I see we're talking about cleaning your ducts. I see we're here for whatever their request was. Because that's really the summation of what they've figured out their problem is. But it might not be the right thing. So it's our job to dig deeper. And so uh, talk to me. What's going on? Why are we out here? And then there's some questions that are really simple, kind of one-on-one things like, where do you guys spend most of your time? Maybe it's where do you spend most of your time during the day? Where do you spend most of your time at night? And we might think how we spend the time, but each customer, each homeowner is a little different. Another question that 
we always ask is who in the house has allergies? I know a lot of people try to ask a similar question like, does anyone have allergies? But that doesn't really get the right response from the customer because a lot of times they're still trying to figure out if they trust you, if you're the right one and stuff. So they might not be totally honest. By asking who in the house has allergies, you can more quickly get to the right answers. And then is it worse at day, night, season? You know, kind of help me understand what drives those allergies and makes them worse. And, and a real simple question of that is, is that something we should take a look at? Is that something that if I notice what's contributing to it, would you like to know more about it? One of my favorite questions is always to ask, again, a little differently, what's the hardest room to heat in the winter? What's the hardest room to cool in the summer? It changes the dynamic from, is there an area that's hard to heat or cool, which is subjective and maybe, again, they're on guard and not want to answer it. But if you say, what's the hardest room to cool? There always is a hardest room to cool. What's the hardest room to heat? There always is a hardest room to heat. So those things kind of flush out the basics of what are we doing here really, knowing nobody wants to buy a new AC or nobody wants to buy ductwork. That all makes great sense. And then when's the right time to ask these questions? <clears throat> the questions for, for our process are always asked up front. I always go back to kind of a medical analogy, which is prescription without proper diagnosis is malpractice. And certainly we don't, and I don't think any of the listeners want to commit malpractice. So if we're going off telling them what they need and how they can fix a problem that we don't even fully understand, we're kind of off the reservation down a rabbit hole. So it's better to have a conversation up front and, and get the questions out before you go look. So there's two times, you know, it's, it's a little different depending on the type of call you're on. If you're on a, a lead for like a request for a, an installer or some kind of specific type of upgrade, then, you know, is there some place you can sit down and talk about what you're trying to accomplish? So I'm sure I, I fully understand. If you're on a service call, when the customer has something broken or a demand call, then, you know, there's like, what's going on? Has it happened before? When did you first start noticing it? You know, things to get the conversation flowing and then you can dig deeper. So, you know, uh, when they request a specific thing, they want to talk about the specific thing. When they have a demand call, you've got to address the the immediate need first. You can't get into, where's the hardest room to cool? When they're like, I have no AC right now, so all of them are hard to cool. You've got to earn that right. So, you know, having those conversations. And then maintenance is another one where these questions still are very valid. Like we're going out there for a, a heat maintenance, for example, at this time of year. Well, it's perfectly okay to say, how's the system work last summer? Did you notice anything? Were the allergies better or worse? How did the unit work last year during heating season? Were your, were your bills higher than normal or in, under control? Just normal questions that you would ask your friend, you would ask your brother, you would ask your a, a relative of yours, just to kind of gauge of said, hey, you know, what do you do? I'm in heating and cooling. You know, what? Well, you'd have a normal conversation. The key to the questions is to not have an ulterior motive to try and trick them or trap them or get them into a sales position because people are smart. And just like you and me would sniff that out, they'll sniff that out too. And that type of questioning with an ulterior motive will destroy all your credibility and rapport. And that's definitely not what you want to do when we're trying to solve problems better than the other guy. Absolutely. So Tom, for example, let's say a homeowner comes to you this would be in the summer, and complains that the master bedroom is just too warm. How do you connect that to problems that might be originating in the attic? 
Great question. So too warm, I'm assuming that's a cooling mode, but we'll kind of address it for cooling and heating. So if we can't cool a room, what's the hardest room to cool in the summer? They say the master bedroom is unbearable. We're never comfortable. Great. So we're going to ask questions. Is it all the time? Is it, you know, specific times of the day? Is it better or worse at certain types of weather conditions? You know, we might ask appropriate question based on our geography and our housing stock, but we're going to go look at that master bedroom, right? We're going to go look inside. We're going to take measurements, look at windows, look at the orientation. So we can go back to what we said in the beginning. What is the room? What does the master suite need for cooling? And that translates to an airflow. Then we can look at the ductwork and the number of supplies and returns to make sure there's good air exchange. And we're eventually gonna go up above in the attic and look at what's happening up top. Maybe the number of outlets and the size looks right from down below. Maybe the ductwork's terrible. Maybe the ductwork's damaged. Maybe there's missing insulation. So all the things that we assume for the load calculation, we wanna then confirm. So on the flip side of that, if they were complaining about being too warm in the winter time, so it's not that it's the hardest room to heat, but it's too much heat. That could also be a duct problem, as in the ductwork is too big, it's stealing air from other parts of the house, or there's damaged ducts somewhere else in the system, which are causing excess airflow to the master bedroom. So at the end of the day, you're never going to get away without doing the right job, without going and looking and getting to work and inspecting to verify what we saw down below and what the homeowner's talking about. Well, homeowners certainly have many choices when it comes to servicing their home systems. How do you use questions as a tool for building the relationship long-term and differentiating? That's a great question. It's one of my favorite things. It kind of goes back to what we're about as a company or what any company is about. What's your DNA? What's your, what's your philosophy towards customer service? So ours is customers for life, which I'm sure a lot of people say, but integrity is having your actions match up with your words. And so part of that is asking questions like, so once we complete the work and we fix the master bedroom, we get all the ductwork right, would it be okay to come back in six months just to inspect everything and make sure it's all working perfectly and there's any tweaks or adjustments to be able to make those for you? Who's saying that? Who's asking permission to come back after something they've been paid for to make sure it's working perfectly to the customer's expectations? Just put yourself in the shoes. If that was asked of you before you purchased, does that make you feel warm and fuzzy and more comfortable with making a purchase about which something you know nothing about? So anyone buying ductwork or HVAC or any of that stuff probably knows very little other than a little bit of research they've done online. So if we're giving them the reassurances through all of our actions and questioning and inspecting, but then saying, would it be okay if we come back and inspect everything like six months later, just to make sure it's doing everything you expected? That's a huge question that we like to ask. Another one is asking about membership. You know, a lot of people have service agreements. We don't have service agreements. We have a, a membership club. And so if we ask them about their interest in getting VIP service moving forward, that way, you know, they get front of the line, fast pass service, you're a priority. You get a bunch of different things that no one else gets, like uh, early bird specials, deals we offer not to the public. So do you belong to any other clubs? Like do you belong to Costco or do you belong to like Disney and things like that? You know, why does anyone join a club? So if they have this and we've been able to flush this out or we get the sensation that they're interested, what happens after the fact? Because that's a big question everyone has is, what happens once I give you my money? Then what happens? How do I ever get you back? Well, we have a program that we come back three times a year to check everything. So not only will we come back in six months, but we'll be coming back frequently. And if anything needs to be tweaked, adjusted, we're just going to take care of it when we're here. How's that sound? Does that help you get you what you're looking for? Does that help make your master bedroom cooler? That type of a situation. 
Well, Tom, you make it all seem so easy, but how do you help your technicians apply this practical sales process in customers' homes? Well, sometimes easy is the most difficult thing, right? That's, <laughs> if it yep. was easy, everybody would do it. Right. So it is easy if you're committed to following a process like most things. If there's a recipe, you got to follow it. If it's a formula, you got to follow it. If there's a map, you got to follow it. We go by a process we call I-5 or the five I's. And the I's are very simply inquire, inspect, inform, inspire, and then implement. And so if we follow our own recipe for success here at Griffin, we'll go through and we'll do just what we talked about earlier. We'll start by inquiring. We'll ask questions. We'll discover. We'll figure out why we're really here. A demand call is probably the easiest. We're here to fix the AC, but is it just fix the AC or are there other things going on? Knowing statistically nine out of 10 systems have a problem and two thirds of customers are unhappy with their comfort. Is it really just to fix the AC or is there a bigger conversation or other things going on that maybe they didn't even know can be solved? They've just been living with it so long. So it always starts with inquiry. Then once we understand and have a better picture of what the customer is looking for, you got to get to work. So you're always going to inspect step two. We're going to go do the load calculation on a, on a lead opportunity for replacing a system or upgrading or doing duck mods. We're going to inspect the air handlers and the furnaces and the coils and the blowers and the heat pumps and the air conditioners or whatever the system is. We're going to get to work and get our eyes on, take things apart and assess what's going on. We can't connect any of the dots, which is really step three in forming is about connecting the dots. So imagine, Mr. Customer, you said A, B, C, and when I inspected your system, I saw one, two, three. Here's how they relate. Here's what number one is causing A, number two is causing B, number three is causing C. Does that make sense? What questions do you have? So the third step is about educating. We call it informing. At this point, you, we haven't said anything about our company. We haven't introduced a price. We haven't built any options. We're literally there to serve the customer. Whether they use us or not, our goal is to give them the best outcome possible. And that's a key, a very important key to success in this whole air care concept of fixing attics and fixing ducts and going beyond the box. It's got to be about the customer. And so we educate them. We answer all their questions. And this is like a free consultation, really, with no ulterior motives. And then from there, part of the wrap-up of the education and inform step is to say, so what should we put together? What would you like to see? And think about this as a buyer. If you go someplace and they say, here's your options, and you, they haven't asked you any questions, you feel like you're being sold because the reality of it is you are being sold. But if they built the options together and said, what would you like? What kitchen cabinets do you like? What hardware do you like? What car do you like? What color do you like? You know, any place where there's a sales process, if they built it around you, it's no longer a sales process. It's an order fulfillment process. It's about getting you what you're asking for, what you're looking for. And I love this because it goes back to the beginning. I know nobody wants to buy a new AC, including me. So what are you really looking for? And so we build their options with them. And then we get to work once we know what they're actually looking for. We've educated them. We've shown them what's going on. They've confirmed, yes, I'd like to see this, this, and this. Then we put that together. Then inspire is the fourth step. Now we talk money. Now we talk actual options all the way, you know, almost 80% through the process. And this is the first time in our world we'll talk about our company. So we probably would start off in step four, inspire by saying, would now be a good time to tell you a little bit about Griffin and why so many families here in St. John's choose us.
we've built all the trust, we've built all the rapport. And the other thing, very important here is because we've learned about them, because we've made it about them, when we talk about what Griffin is about and what Griffin does, we cannot waste their time and bore them about things they would be not interested about Griffin as it relates to their needs as a customer. We can zero in on just those things that make a difference to them. Again, respecting the buyer as being intelligent and starved for time and not wanting to be sold anything. And so we go through, we'd present the options at that point with the ductwork, the attic, the equipment, whatever, how they all stack and relate to each other, not caring about the outcome, only caring that the customer gets what they want. And then whatever they decide, step five is implement. Then we'll get right to work. All right, it's a good choice. Here's what we're going to do. Let's get it scheduled. Let's get it knocked out and it's done. And that process makes it basically end to end all about the customer, all about doing the right thing, all about basing our solutions on accurate diagnostics, questioning, inspecting, educating, and getting the customer exactly what they want. And I wish more people did it when I buy things. How about you? Absolutely. And what you said about connecting the dots really makes a lot of sense because when you do that, you have a path and it's that path that takes you to the mapping out of the the solution for them and, and really helps the technician and contractor find the, the best solution for the customer. And you know, the, the least favorite part of the process, whether it's a maintenance process, a demand call process, or a sales process, if you actually talk to the customer their least favorite part, their fear is about being sold, right? Right. Isn't that your, it's my fear, it's your yes. fear. We go buy a car. We want to buy a new car, but we don't want to be sold a new car. Yes. This is, we want to buy a new furniture. We don't want to be sold furniture. We want to buy a, a vacation. We want to be sold a vacation. And so what's different about what we do, except for our purchase is a grudge purchase. The buying an AC system is not something people go, you know what I want to do when I grow up? I want to buy an AC system. You know, they have a dream, a bucket list of <laughs> trips and things, and none of them involve AC systems or ductwork or attic insulation. This is something they need. And so the customer hates being sold. And you know who else hates selling? Technicians. Yes. And, and they don't want to be being pushing things on customer. So the right process, integrating the attic, integrating the ductwork, integrating the boxes, and actually creating a relationship and collaborating with the customer, nobody's being sold and nobody's selling. We're just having a conversation. We're giving all the control, all the information, and you're picking what you want. And as long as I'm happy, whatever it is, at the end of the day, you got what you want. Won't you be a happier customer? Absolutely. Won't you leave more five-star reviews? Won't you tell customers about it? Won't you plug in grip and service in the neighborhood site? When someone says looking for somebody, you'll be like, hey, they're different. They're honest. They don't try to pressure you. They don't sell you anything. That is the magic of this air care program and being successful is stop selling anything and let the customer buy what they want. Excellent advice. Well, Tom, this has all been such great practical information. And I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Talking Air Care, presented by Owens Corning Air Distribution. We'll be looking forward to continuing the air care conversation in episode four, and we'll look at how air care may be an even bigger opportunity for contractors in 2022. And for any of you listeners that have a question, feel free to drop me a line at tmciver at endeavorb2b.com. That's T-M-C-I-V-E-R 
at E-N-D-E-A-V-O-R-B-2-B.com. Thanks again for listening, and thank you, Tom. Thanks, sir. Thank you.